Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. Some people worship stars. Some people worship the sun. Some people worship rats. No joke. This is the Karnimata Temple in India where rats aren't shooed away. They're worshipped. This temple is filled with over 25,000 rats. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. But they're considered to be holy rats because they're considered to be descendants from the Indian goddess Karni. In this temple, you can go and join the rat priests and sing worship songs to the rats. Think about it. I mean, singing a song like Great is Thy Faithfulness would have a very different feel in the rat temple. If you're really interested in worshiping rats, you don't have to go all the way to India. I mean, you, you can just go to Chicago, right? Plenty of them there. Well, here's what we're doing. We are teaching through the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Now, that's what we tend to do at the Ridge is we take books of the Bible and we teach through them. And I recognize Habakkuk is not a very familiar book in the Bible. So let me recap. Here's what's going on. Habakkuk started with this, chapter 1, verse 2. Habakkuk says, he's talking to God, having a conversation. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? See, Habakkuk, he saw suffering and he saw injustice and he saw pain. And he he said, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? Well, God responded to Habakkuk saying, I've got a plan. I am going to raise up the Babylonians to crush all of you. Well, Habakkuk then says, I don't like that plan. And then God, he clarifies that these Babylonians are someday going to face justice as well. So last chapter, we had the joy of studying the discipline and wrath of God. I'm glad a few of you came back. Kind of wondered after last chapter if I'd be alone today. But today, here's what comes next in Habakkuk. We're going to dig into the specific reasons that God articulates why he decided he was going to bring his wrath. Here's the center of it. Chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Woe to him who says to wood, come to life. Or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. Idols. They were worshiping idols. A lot of passages like that in the Bible. For me, I I come across a passage in the Bible where there's idols and I think, oh, they're worshiping idols. You know, wooden carvings, bowing down, very primitive stuff. These people weren't Neanderthals. Idols can be far more subtle and complicated than that. An idol is really anything that takes the place of God in our life. Anything outside of God that we look to for identity, that we look to for our 
ultimate significance or fulfillment. We tend to think of idols as bad things, but that's not the way it typically works. The most dangerous idols are good things. Good things that we over-elevate to satisfy our deepest needs and our deepest hopes. Here's what's going on in Habakkuk chapter 2. The back half of this chapter, Habakkuk, well, God is just specifically calling out the things that people were idolizing. It's just kind of a list. Here's the things they were idolizing ahead of God. So we're just going to go through this list, look at the things they were idolizing and see, huh, I wonder, are any of these things relevant still for us today? Well, here's the first one. Verse 6. Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. First idol that God points out is wealth. I think, yikes, that's a little bit more relevant than a wooden statue. Well, let let me show you this. Well, ask the question, who's wealthy? Well, take a look at this. Again, I agree with you. That is a toilet in China. Makes the porta pots at the ball field look like a palace. Do you have a toilet that with the push of a lever flushes all the nasty away? 2.3 billion people don't. When was the last time you flushed a toilet and said, Thank you, Lord? <laughs> Do! Try that this week of Thanksgiving. That's actually a valuable perspective. Is it wrong to be wealthy? Well, no. But it is unwise to be unaware that wealth has great potential to be an idol in our lives. Here are a few questions that I find help me. How much time... Do, do, I, do I think about money? How much think time does money get? Do I ever compromise biblical ethics to get more? Am I generous with what I have, tithing and gifting and blessing? Is my greatest comfort for the future a financial nest egg or faith in God? Wealth. Is that a potential idol for you? Well, Habakkuk continues, verse 9. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. They were building nice houses with beautiful views in unethical ways. They were putting their own interests above the interests of other people. What was the idol? Well, the idol was this, self. If you want to see one of the most popular idols throughout all of human history, just look in the mirror. It's the idol of self. If I am in a a competition, I'm encouraged to believe in who? Myself. Right? If things aren't going my way, I'm encouraged to stand up for who? Myself. If I'm empty, fulfill myself. If I'm hurting, love myself. If I'm discerning, be true to myself. Nothing wrong with self-care. Nothing wrong with being self-aware. But remember, ultimately, it's not about me. If it all becomes about me and my feelings and my thoughts and my wants and and my desires, here's what's happening. I'm becoming my own 
functional God. That's a pretty pervasive idol. There is something that is outside of us, that is bigger than us, that is greater than us, that is truer than us. Well, God. And until we embrace that, we're not going to be satisfied and fulfilled people because we're worshiping self. Self, that was an issue for them. Does that have potential to be an idol for any of us? Take a look at this. Cute, right? You know what that is? That's a rat with a fuzzy tail. It's really all that is. Disagreement. It's a rat with a fuzzy tail. It's a rodent family. Rats. Could you ever worship one of those? I could never, ever worship a rat. What are things that have potential to be idols for us? Well, God points out another one in Habakkuk. Here it is, chapter 2, verse 12. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire? What's the idol in that? It's success, it's accomplishment, regardless of the means. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed. The issue here wasn't they were building. The issue here wasn't that they were building a city. The issue was how they went about building it. Their climb to success and accomplishment, well, it was hurting other people. And in this, God's saying, I see that stuff. God's saying, I see the things that happen behind the closed doors. You know, a person gets a promotion or an accomplishment. What happened before that? Well, sometimes, like in here, stabbed in the back. Or a person accomplishes that by ethical compromise. Or a person accomplishes that by hurting someone else. God says, I'm aware of those kind of things. Or here's a dynamic that I find pervasive in in my own life. You know, I, I complete a project. And when I complete a project, that feels good. You know, I I feel satisfaction, a sense of accomplishment, but for me, that sense of accomplishment, it doesn't last very long. And I find, okay, well, now I need to get into the next project and accomplish that project. And what's underneath that, uh, my own sense of meaning, my own sense of self-worth and self-esteem, it's on the line. Without my awareness, I've been defining my own self-worth externally. One of the greatest dangers with the idol of accomplishment is how we can unintentionally impose this one on our kids. Parents, grandparents, future parents. I'm going to say something and invite you to repeat it after me. It's this. My kid is not going to be a professional athlete. (laughs) You know, that's kind of freeing. But statistically speaking, your kid is more likely to be struck by lightning while being eaten by a shark than becoming a professional athlete. I exaggerate a bit, but don't, don't miss this. I, I, I like sports. I participate in sports. My kids have participated in sports. We can learn things. We can grow through sports. But it has become common 
to go off the deep end with this one. Example, did you know in our community there are sports leagues for three-year-olds? Really? Three-year-olds? Can we teach them not to wet themselves first? (laughs) We need to ask ourselves some questions. How young is too young? How many hours are too many hours? How much travel is too much travel? What are your boundaries? Don't let an organization or an activity decide what is healthy for your kid and your family. You decide. But I will say this, our God-given priority is to do everything in our power to influence our children to have a desire to follow this Jesus. And I wonder, do you have a plan for that? Might have a plan for a lot of activities and teaching them how to do this and do that. But do you have a plan to teach them how they can have a desire to follow this Jesus? Because that, that should get our highest and that should get our very best efforts. And then after that, if there's still space, let's play some ball. Can become an idol. Ready for the next idol that God points out to Habakkuk? Verse 15. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. Do you really need me to explain this one? (laughs) I mean, this one's kind of self-evident, isn't it? Isn't it? Ladies, do you ever wonder why why that guy offers to buy you a drink? Well, do. Would he offer to buy me that drink? Probably not. Well, what does he want? Recognize, there is a direct correlation between amount of alcohol and amount of nakedness. Be aware. Be careful. Right? What's the idol? Listen for it. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. Well, the idol was nakedness. And it still is. Right? This is thousands of years ago. But today you realize pornography is a $60 billion industry. $60 billion. And God isn't anti-nakedness. God, he's the one who created the idea of sex for one man with one woman and a lifelong covenant of marriage. That's his idea. This isn't God drawing a line in the sand saying, oh, if you step over that, no heaven for you. This isn't even about getting into heaven or earning points with God. As we grow into a deeper relationship with God, we learn. We learn to trust him. We recognize, he's saying, these boundaries, these are a reflection of my great love for you. I've got this great plan. You can connect spiritually and emotionally and physically without the pain, without the shame, without the baggage. I don't want you to settle for something that feels good at the time. I want you to experience life at its very best. Will you trust and will you follow me? Are we done yet? That's all the idols that 
Habakkuk mentions, but I'm going to throw one more in there because it's just so fun to talk about idols. So this one, rom-com, romantic comedies. We have rom-com fans, nothing necessarily wrong with them, but here's kind of one of the messages, the underlying philosophies that Hollywood teaches us is that we can just find the right man. If we can just find the right woman, then they'll complete me, right? They'll they'll complete me. And the way that works then is that all of the issues, we're saying all of the dysfunctions, all of the loneliness, all of the challenges just vanish. You know what that can do? That can set up some very unrealistic false expectations. No person not even the very best person, it can give you everything that your soul needs. Stop trying to make other people into saviors. We already have a savior. His name is Jesus. And he's the only one who can fulfill you. He's the only one who can complete you. Habakkuk chapter 2. Are you getting this? Are you understanding what this chapter is about? Don't think of an idol as some primitive statue back in the day. An idol can be anything, even good things, especially good things. It can be a romantic relationship. It can be the approval of your peers. It can be a life of comfort. It can be morality. It can be fitness. It can be a great cause. How do we know? How can we tell if something has become an idol in our life. A lot of times, right, they're good things. They just become too much of an ultimate thing. Well, Jesus shows us how we can tell. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said these words. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's saying the way to discover your idols isn't to investigate what you believe, but to look at how you actually live. Because idols show up when we examine our schedule. And idols show up when we examine how we spend our money. And idols show up when we examine our thought life. You know, if I have that, then my life will have meaning. If I have that, then I will feel secure. If I have that, then I will be happy. The question God is asking in Habakkuk chapter 2 is this, what's your that? Notice I'm not asking if you have any rival gods. I'm assuming that you do. I'm assuming that we all do. No shame in that. Just don't go through life blind to that. Ask yourself, spend a bit of time with this question. What has the most potential to become an idol in my life? We've all got them. Do you know the answer to that? Are you aware of that? Think about that. What has the most potential to become an idol in my life? Got it? Okay, so so what can we do about those things? That's how Habakkuk ends this chapter. 
Habakkuk, he goes through this chapter and he's showing us all these different idols. He's giving us a list of all these things that can become idols. Then he says at the end, now I'm going to give you a solution. Here's what we do so these things don't turn into idols. And his solution, not what you might expect. Verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That surprised me. That doesn't say, well, banished anything that could become an idol in your life. That doesn't say, hey, anything that has the potential to be an idol in your life will stay a long ways away from it. And Habakkuk, he's not saying, hey, if it has the potential to become an idol in your life, then have nothing to do with it. That's not what Habakkuk is doing here. He's not saying eliminate the relationships or eliminate achievement. He's not saying eliminate wealth or hobbies. He's saying be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. He's saying that'll do it. That will put idols in their rightful place. Be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. We say, great. I I love to do that. How? How can I do that? Well, Habakkuk chapter 2 ends with these words. Verse 20. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Sometimes we just need to turn off all the noise for a while. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Sometimes we need to pause, do, and just be. Stop filling every waking moment of every day with the things of earth. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. When we recognize that this awesome, holy, powerful God came to this earth in Christmas and sacrificed his life on the cross. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. When we remember, when we contemplate, when we experience just a little bit of holy awe, our hearts and our minds are reoriented and we are changed. His love is better than any relationship. His provision is better than wealth. His presence, it's better than any temporary pleasure. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. When Jesus is Lord, it becomes more than just words that we say. Idols lose their grip in our life because we become filled with something much, much better. 
him. And he, he will give us peace. And he will give us purpose. And he will give us fulfillment. I invite you to to read this with me. Habakkuk's Grand Conclusions, chapter 2, verse 20. Join me. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. One more time. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. I invite you to close your eyes. And let's do that right now. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday. And we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends. And also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.